Hey, hey, this is Sarah Mel. Welcome to Phases of the Womb Podcast. Thank you for joining. I am super excited to get this rolling and just see what it turns out to be. Um, I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know what it's going to turn into, but I'm really excited to be doing it because um, I'm recording this after I've already done some interviews with people and I'm just letting y'all know it is going to be very entertaining, very informational, um, and I'm having a really good time having these conversations with people, so hopefully you guys enjoy it too. So this first episode, um, I just wanted to introduce myself, introduce my podcast, introduce, um, you know, who I am, what I do, why I felt the need to create a podcast in the first place. So... My name is Sarah, like I said, and um, I've been a registered nurse for the past eight years. I've worked in labor and delivery for the past seven, I think it's seven this year, and I've been a certified nurse midwife for a year and change now, and I'll finally be starting my first job as a midwife this summer. So that's super exciting. Um, I didn't immediately go into it. One, because pay. <laughs> like I would just be transparent. It wasn't it wasn't doing what it needed to do. And I have been a travel nurse since 2018. I had some financial goals that I wanted to, you know, do. And I've done those and now I'm I'm ready. So I don't know. But um, I want to start by talking about what a midwife is or what a midwife is to me. So when I first started in labor and delivery, um, I had the opportunity to work with two midwives and with my preceptor being a doula and having that experience with um, people who wanted to birth naturally or wanted to birth with a midwife, we got a lot of the patients that had the midwives. So I got to experience those type of births and those type of situations. And to be completely honest, prior to this, I didn't really know what a midwife was. And surprisingly, my clinical instructor in nursing school for uh, my maternity rotation was a midwife. And when when I remember her saying that and and I don't know, I didn't even think about it. And she was a black woman. I didn't I honest to God, I didn't even. I don't know, I didn't think too far into it, because at that point I wasn't sure I wanted to even work in labor and delivery. So it was never, it wasn't even a thing that crossed my mind. But, um, now after working with midwives and experiencing midwives all across the country as a travel nurse, um, what I think 
a midwife is, is a provider that supports a woman and her family or birthing person um, in a natural physiologic pregnancy and birth. So I'm a certified nurse midwife and there are different types of midwives. Um, I won't touch on all of that because it can get very um, muddy with all of that. A lot of things aren't um, super regulated or super standardized across the country. So I'm just going to touch on what I know. And um, as a certified nurse midwife, um, you, I know that in Louisiana, they work typically in the hospital settings or in birth center settings. And right now, as far as I know, the closest birth center is, well, to me, because I'm in New Orleans, is in Baton Rouge, which is about an hour or so away. Um, so midwives support what they call a physiologic birth, basically allowing your body to do what your body is going to do, not intervening as if pregnancy or labor is something that needs to be medicalized or intervened on. Now, that's not saying that there aren't certain situations where interventions need to happen. I'm not saying it. I've worked in the hospital. I've seen things. I've heard things. There are instances where, you know, there needs to be intervention. I get that. That's why a lot of these things exist, because there have been situations where there's a need for intervention and things weren't in place or things didn't exist before to intervene. But based on my experience, I believe that most, most pregnancies and most deliveries can happen in a physiologic way. The issue is that once you get into the hospital, there are so many things in place that lead to interventions, that lead to other things, that lead to bad outcomes. Again, I'm not saying that that's all situations. And honestly, being back in the South and seeing how sick people are just in general, I know that it's not all situations and that interventions are necessary. But do I believe that most situations can be handled with a midwifery approach? I do. I I, I 100% believe it can be. Like, I know a lot of this can be um, controversial. Uh, (laughs) Like, I already know how this is, but um, midwifery care was the common care prior to birth being moved to the hospital. There were community midwives who were responsible for their community. When somebody was in labor, you know, your great grandma, your grandma, whoever it was, you know, went down the street and was there for people's birth. Now we know 
as a society, we know that there were some bad outcomes. You know, there there were some bad outcomes. Um, but I think that based on what I was taught in school and what I've done my own research on, midwifery got criminalized when the medical system figured out that they could capitalize on birth and labor, etc. Um, when you look at a bill, <laughs> it's it's insane to me that you get a bill for having a baby. It is insane. Do I think that providers should be Paid for their services. Absolutely. I am one. I need to survive. I get I get it. But the amount of money that you spend to go into a hospital and get all these interventions done is insane. Like the fact that people pay monthly <laughs> on these bills to have kids is it's insane to me. It is insane. So basically, like I said, midwifery care was normal. Like everybody had a midwife. Everybody birthed at home. Um, Doctors didn't want no parts because what's fun about, you know, going in and, you know, sitting there and coaching a woman through labor just to, you know, deliver a baby and go about your business. That's not fun for, you know, providers who want to do surgery you know that's that's not fun and I'm not saying all providers but I'm saying in general but when once you know epidurals became popular I want to say epidurals were first really introduced in like the 30s 40s but like became popular around the 80s um you know it it became a thing where you know, on TV, they show the woman in insane, excruciating pain and labor is this thing that has to be fixed with an epidural and you have to go to a hospital. And, you know, there was just a big shift in the way people talked about labor and birth. It was almost like it was something traumatic that you know, it's a part of life, but you know, you got to go to the hospital and you got to be fixed with an epidural and then you'll be fine, you know. But around that time is also where we started seeing a rise in C-sections. And, you know, with any type of surgery, you also add the risk of surgery on top of just the risk of birth in general. I mean, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I will talk. Okay, I will talk. (laughs) But, you know, the more we try to get better by, you know, implementing things that we think will fix, you know, the problems of, you know, shoulder dystocias or um, stalling out in labor and then adding Pitocin. But then ending up with, you know, babies who don't tolerate Pitocin and then you end up instead C-sections. And it's all these things that have added to why the United States, while we spend so much on health care and 
birth in this country, we are, we have some of the worst outcomes in the world. And it's, it's insane. But when you look at other countries who still use the midwifery care model, they do better. They do better. And that's not saying that, you know, OBGYNs aren't amazing. They have a lot of amazing OBGYNs that support um, vaginal births, natural births, and, um, you know, just allowing your body to be your body. But it's a, it's a, a snowball effect once you get into the hospital. And I've seen it. I've seen people have to fight not to become, you know, a statistic within that where, you know, you're laboring, you want to come to the hospital because it's your first baby, you're nervous, you've been seeing all these things, but you just want to come into the hospital, you get to the hospital, you get put on the monitor, um, you get, <laughs> you're there, you're only two centimeters, so they want to speed it up because you got to think about it, it's a business, it's a hospital, they don't get paid if you're there for three and four days just na- just laboring, you know, you're just holding up a room. So. Let's speed it up. Let's 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 break your water. Let's add some Pitocin. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's push for four hours. Let's it's so many things that start to happen when you get to a hospital that a lot of people don't even notice because it's become become such common practice that you almost set yourself up not to have a physiologic birth once you're admitted to the hospital. So, you know, I say all that to say (laughs) we have evolved in medicine, but I feel like we have definitely gone backwards when it comes to birth in this country and the way we care for women and birthing persons in pregnancy in labor and definitely postpartum. I will not speak on postpartum today because that is an episode all on its own, but we do such an injustice to women and their families when we provide monthly, bi-weekly and weekly visits during pregnancy and are very much on top of things during pregnancy, we are, we very much focus on labor and birth, labor and birth. That's, that's what you're looking for. And then figure it out. I'll see you in six weeks. That's a problem. Like we know most of the things that'll happen as far as like postpartum preeclampsia, postpartum depression, um, issues with lactation and breastfeeding, All of those things happen within like the first two to three weeks. And then by the time you get to your sixth week, you know, you may be in full blown depression. You may have given up on breastfeeding, you know, things like that. Things just get missed because there is no focus on what happens after the baby gets here. So obviously we need to make strides with that. But I'm going to leave that where that's at. <laughs> so why did I become a midwife? I am from 
a city that is predominantly black. Um, when you look at statistics, um, you can just Google New Orleans statistics. People of black or African-American descent make up over 55% of the population. I have worked within a couple of the major hospitals here. And when you look at the providers available to the majority, it's very few and far between. And it's not because there is a lack of eligible providers that want to and are willing to work in these situations. And I'm going to I'm going to speak on my experience as a labor nurse because it's not it's not just New Orleans. It's not just New Orleans. But New Orleans is a city that is a majority of people of color. Um but I have worked in what I think this might be my 12th or 13th travel assignment. And I have worked maybe, maybe two assignments where the majority of the staff were people of color. Two, two out of 12. And I have worked everywhere from the south texas louisiana um i've worked in west virginia my first nursing job was in south florida i've worked in california washington oregon hawaii and it is it is very interesting that within labor and delivery specifically you do not see a lot of nurses or providers of color. And I I don't want to sit here and talk about why that is, but I it's just something to think about when you start looking at these statistics that's becoming bigger and bigger about why black women and white women will go into a hospital setting in labor with the same um issues are the same the same things going on and that black woman just because she's black is three times more likely to have a bad outcome or die and i think that's something that needs to be addressed do i think being the one black practicing midwife within a hospital setting in this city is going to be the answer? No. I don't speak for all black people. I don't represent all black people. But do I think that I can see things just from my black experience that other providers can't? I firmly believe that. There was a scenario, I don't know if I read it on a Facebook board. I don't remember where it was. Or where I heard it. But there is a scenario where a nurse walked into 
a black patient's room and the patient was like patting her head on multiple occasions, like patting her head. And without even discussing, that's another thing, like ask questions (laughs) without even discussing with the patient, like, why are you hitting yourself in the head? What is going on? She wrote up a psych consult, basically saying she was like banging her head and she didn't understand, you know, what was going on. And I think it's okay to not understand, but I think it's your duty, especially as a nurse or a healthcare provider, somebody caring for this patient to ask questions and not write up a psych consult when sis probably had braids or tracks or something in her head and it itches and we pat our head when it itches and it was that simple to ask that question and that's what I mean that's what people mean when they say we need representation and not just in the medical field. We need representation, period. Like when people talk about natural births or doulas or midwives, people are like, oh, like what white people do. And it's because, you know, it's been a thing where access to midwives became limited to people who can afford to pay for them because insurance covers hospital birth. But within the past, you know, a few years or so, insurance started covering midwifery care. Not everybody can afford to pay out of pocket for a doula or a home birth or just midwifery care in general. It's just it's it's insane to me that. You know, I know, I know black providers. I know, you know, black nurses and we just aren't represented well enough in these settings and that needs to change. And I felt like it was such a disadvantage. I've I've been in situations working here in New Orleans where I've seen the disadvantages that, you know, people of color face just because they aren't understood nor do some providers want to understand they're there for a check they do what they got to do for a check and they don't they don't care that you know they might be setting this person up for future issues by you know giving them a c-section their first baby and then not telling them that there is the option to v-back or not you know it's just it's a snowball effect and I know I know I'm going off on a tangent y'all it just It bothers me. It irritates me. And why I became a midwife was to, you know, do what little I could to provide what I can to everybody, but especially to people of color. Give access to people of color to a person of color to care for them during their pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum, GYN care, anything. Just give people access. So that's why I'm here, child. (laughs) So um, real quick, phases of the womb I created because I saw that knowledge gap that um, people had about 
just pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum in general. And, you know, while I learned a lot of things in school, I wanted to impart that knowledge on other people. And, you know, still, I mean, I get a lot of people that say, oh, I didn't even know, you know, I had to or that I didn't have to get an epidural like I didn't know that I can have a midwife and have an epidural I didn't know that you know I didn't have to birth at home if I wanted midwifery care or doula care I didn't know the difference between midwives and doulas um that'll be talked about on our next episode um but you know, I just wanted to bridge that knowledge gap and whether or not it's on a small scale, you know, I just wanted it out there for people to even have access to the knowledge where you don't have to pay 1200 or $1,500 for, you know, pregnancy education or labor education or just, you know, just education about your bodies in general. I wanted to, you know, provide that. And then last year, because um, I've been listening to podcasts more and more, mostly murder podcasts, thanks to my best friend, because she's crazy and that's what she likes. And she got me hooked. Um, I've been listening to I'm going to just plug it morbid. That is that's my favorite. I love it. So that's what I've been listening to. Um, whether I'm in the car, in the shower, cleaning up, you know, whatever. And I was like, you know, I think it'll be a good idea to provide not just these Instagram videos that I provide on Wednesdays sometimes because we know I'm not consistent with that. I be trying, y'all. I really do be trying. But social media, be it be draining me. It drains me because you got a plan and yet neither here nor there. I'm going to get it together, I promise. <laughs> but... I felt like, you know, having something that can play in the background or something you can play while you're breastfeeding or something you want to listen to while you're on the treadmill or for a walk or in the shower or cleaning up, you know, something that's just available um, that not only just gives this education from my perspective, but I wanted to um combine the fact that i've i've met so many people just from traveling like i went to school in miami so i have friends of different you know races and ethnicities that have gone through labor and birth or that you know work in the medical fields um in that area or I went to nursing school in New York. I have friends in New York. I have experiences in New York. Um and then just traveling as a travel nurse, I've, you know, encountered so many different people and so many different perspectives that I wanted to share whether it be, you know, one of my friends' birth stories or just having a chat with um a nurse practitioner or a doula or OBGYN um, or another midwife. Um, I just wanted to make sure, you know, I provide everything I can provide um, to people that, you know, if you take one thing from one podcast or one Instagram post that makes you feel empowered and, 
you know, less traumatized in your birth setting. You know, I felt like I just wanted to be able to provide that. So that's who I am. That's what I do. (laughs) This is what I want to provide. And obviously, um, I'm always open to, you know, critiques and comments and, you know, concerns. If, you know, you had such and such experience and you don't understand why and you want to hear about, you know, what normally happens or what should happen in these scenarios or, you know, what you should have asked or what you should have done. Um, you know, hopefully I can, I can find a way to provide answers to that. And I don't know everything. I'm not out here providing you medical advice via podcast. That is not my job. So don't be out here saying on this podcast, Sarah told me to tell you, no, don't do that. <laughs> I don't know your situation. So don't do that. But um, I just hope I can provide some knowledge or at least give you a basis to go do your own research because I want you, I always tell people you are the expert on your body. I know some stuff. I'm the expert in my field. You are the expert in your body. And it is your duty to know what's going on with yourself. And it is your provider's duty to care for you. Your provider works for you, not the other way around. You let your provider know what you want, what you think, They give their recommendation, but at the end of the day, it's your body and your care and you need to know that and you need to remember that. And yeah, so I want you guys to make sure y'all stay tuned because I have so many amazing talks with so many amazing people coming up and um, I want y'all to be there to catch it. So tune in on Fridays on your favorite podcasting app (laughs) and I'll be releasing an episode each Friday. I don't know how many episodes I'm going to do a season. I don't know how many breaks I'm going to take yet. We just going to kind of go with the flow and see what happens and go from there. And um, if you have any questions, just make sure you follow my Instagram page. And that is underscore phases of the womb womb is w-o-m-b sorry y'all I'm looking to make sure I'm spelling stuff right (laughs) so underscore phases p-h-a-s-e-s of the womb you can message me follow me um I also do womb Wednesdays which is a brief video just of me discussing a topic what I plan to do and we all know I always say what I plan to do on womb Wednesdays and that changes but what I plan to do is kind of speak on a topic that I touch on on the Friday's podcast so like if I'm doing like an introduction video and talking about midwives and statistics in this podcast then the Wednesday prior to this podcast would be um, a video 
of me, like a brief three to five minute video, me giving some statistics, me going over what a midwife is, giving some background and just giving you a little snippet and posting it on my feed. Um, so that's what the plan is for that. Um, you can also email me with any, um, comments, concerns, questions, anything at phases of womb at gmail.com. I don't know why phases of the womb was taken, but it was. So it's P H A S E S of W O M B at gmail.com. Um, I'm working on my, uh, website. So once that's finalized, I will be sure to post that and give y'all access to that. So I am so looking forward to what is going on right now. I love that I'm able to just run my mouth via podcast. (laughs) So I hope y'all stay tuned and I will talk to y'all soon.